0: Hello and welcome to the Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host, Head of News, Abby Kaye.
1: The England Woodland Creation Offer from DEFRA and the Forestry Commission is now available. If you're a farmer or land manager, you could receive over 10,000 pounds for every hectare of woodland you create. And you don't need to take your best agricultural land out of use because when you plant trees, you plant the future. You plant a legacy which rewards you now and for generations to come. Put down roots. Visit gov.uk slash woodlandcreation. England only, conditions apply.
0: This week, we're bringing you a special episode on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. This afternoon,
2: uh, the Russians turned up and started setting up a... Weapon systems right next to our yard um, and our people there were told you know if you shut up and don't interfere you won't get hurt
1: if this would happen in britain you could imagine the queues the panic tesco would be sold out of luro within five minutes but here people are much more much more stoical you know they, they i mean nobody can believe what's happened but they're just saying OK, we'll see what
0: happens next. Those were the voices of two Scottish farmer expats who have made Ukraine their home. Peter Thompson and Sandy Fullerton. We spoke to them to shine a light on the personal stories behind the war, which could see up to five million refugees flee the country. The human cost of President Putin's attack is already tragically evident and is only expected to grow as the conflict puts vital food supplies at risk and pushes more people in the Middle East and North Africa into food insecurity. The two regions are heavily dependent upon wheat from Black Sea ports, with Russia being the world's third largest producer of wheat and Ukraine the seventh largest. Before the recent invasion, the US Department of Agriculture expected the two countries to supply 30% of the world's wheat exports this season. Ukraine is also the world's fifth largest corn grower, the second largest sunflower producer after Russia and has the eighth largest rapeseed crop. It is the world's eighth largest soy producer, just ahead of Russia, too. Understandably then, commodity markets across the world are being rocked by the conflicts between these two farming superpowers. The EU, which imports 19% of its wheat and 13% of its oilseed from Ukraine, as well as animal feed crops and Russian fertilisers, has already committed to revisit the objectives of its sustainable food policies, the farm-to-fork and biodiversity strategies to ensure Europe's food security. Our head of business, Alex Black, will be exploring the big picture impact on commodities later on in the podcast. But for now, let's return to Peter and Sandy. Peter is originally from St Andrews in Fife, where he had a 110-hectare farm growing cereals and vegetables. He left for Ukraine in the early 1990s after finding himself unable to expand his Scottish farm and now runs a business growing sunflowers, oilseed rape, winter wheat, corn and soybeans across 21,000 hectares in the Odessa and Kherson region in southern Ukraine. The land in Kherson is fertile, but a key target for the Russians because controlling it gives access to the mainland from Crimea a thirsty peninsula with drying reservoirs, which was annexed in
2: 2014. And last night we lost 10% of our uh, land bank to um, to the Russians. They just walked into the farm about four o'clock in the morning uh, and kicked out our night watchman. Um, And that's it, we're out. So Uh,
0: they, they came in on foot?
2: Uh, no, no, no. They're all on on transport, but they're, they were, uh, and that's that farm is about uh, forty kilometers north of the border with uh, uh, annexed Crimea. Um, and they um, were just going through all the villages that they, that were on their way to get to the Dnipro River, uh, which. Uh, there's a like a, a huge canal runs from the Dnieper River to Crimea. Um, before uh, Russia annexed Crimea, all the Crimean water supply went down that canal, and the one of the, you know one of the first moves the Russians make when they start the war is to get to the Dnieper River, get control of the pumping station, and the canal, and they, literally they. St- turned on the pump last night and opened the sluices and Crimea, Crimea is now... Russia is now stealing water from Ukraine.
0: So, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously there's already been a big impact on, on your farm. Do you think... How do you think that's uh-huh. going to change going forward? Is there, Are you expecting it to get worse?
2: <laughs> yes. Um, today, uh, near the city of Kherson in the south of Ukraine, um on the other side, on the, the right bank of the Dnipro River, uh, we have a, a smaller farm there, it's only 800 hectares of dry land. Uh, but this afternoon, uh, the Russians turned up and started setting up uh, weapons systems right next to our yard. Um, and our people there were told, "You know, if you shut up and don't interfere, you won't get hurt. So we've lost that one as well, and I would think tonight we've got another our biggest farm in Kherson, four thousand hectares almost, um, further up the left bank of the Dnipro River. Um, Will be uh, will be taken over. Um, There's occupying all that territory between the Dnipro River and Crimea just now. Uh, um, So that that one's probably going to go tonight.
0: So what what does this mean for the future of your business?
2: (sighs) Well, really, uh, we can't carry on operating there. Um, Although... I haven't really thought this one through myself all that far, and in, in theory, legally speaking, it's still in Ukraine, although it's occupied by the Russians. Uh, the bank accounts are located n- not on the farm, not locally, um, and they, you know, we um, we don't use cash at all, so everything like. Operating costs for the farms can be made by uh, bank transfer, literally from anywhere in the world. For, for, you know, we go and, and spend more on growing crops there, and they, and then we can't harvest the crop or we can't ship the crop off the farm to our customers. It's probably the, the likely scenario. Honestly, I'm thinking alive. I, I, thinking, to, thinking aloud. Uh, I don't know.
0: Do you? I mean, obviously, this is all so new, and I imagine you haven't thought this far ahead. But do you have any idea of what kind of losses you're going to be expecting as a result of this?
2: Um, I haven't counted it up so far, but uh, you know, uh, uh, basically, on that, on irrigated land, we make about uh, four to five hundred dollars a hectare net profit. So, what's what's the math on that? I need to take that. That first two thousand one hundred hectares, which is pretty much all irrigated. Multiply that by five hundred, what do you get? That's a million
0: dollars. With such massive losses already incurred and heavy fighting continuing in the region, Peter is unsure how to proceed. He has already spent some time with his daughter making Molotov cocktails to deliver to the local territorial defence team, and he is now considering the possibility of joining the national guard to fight at some point.
2: When it gets to the stage that there's no farming business to run, then then yes. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got 400 employees. Uh, at the moment, that figure goes up to more than 500 in the summertime. Um, um, I personally sign off all the financial transactions that we do. Uh, I'm, I'm in touch with all the, the managers around the group. Uh, Literally twenty-four hours a day at the moment. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to leave them to go to fight a war. If as long as they're they're still there, as long as I've got something to to fight for. So. How are it'll you? Come st- a time, but it's not yet.
0: How are you, staff um, feeling?
2: When I spoke to that, the manager of the farm was occupied last night. This morning, he was at a. Remarkably chirpy. I mean, the main thing, Abby, is that nobody was hurt. There's, there were no casualties. And when you look around Ukraine at the moment, that is that's a win in itself. You know, the, the Russians are targeting hospitals, kindergartens, schools, residential buildings, wherever wherever Putin goes. There's destruction, poverty, misery. Disease, death, hunger, it's just, you know, the occupied territories in Georgia, for example, they're dead. The so-called People's Republics of Donetsk and and Gollansk, uh, they're dead. Do you think
0: your staff, when you speak to them, I mean, do you sense resilience in them? Are they willing to to fight? Are they thinking that far forward or are are they wanting to stay on the farm?
2: Um, there's there's a spectrum there, I and mean, it depends on individual circumstances. But uh, for the most part, yes, they still stand and fight. It's all they've got. They're living and working on on land that they've lived on all their lives.
0: Were you surprised yeah. by the extent of the attack from Russia?
2: Not really. No. No. I mean, we've been looking at the build up for the past almost a year now. It's, uh, it's, it's been looking inevitable for pretty much all that time.
0: What do you think Putin wants in Ukraine? Do you think it is about the fact that it's the breadbasket of Europe and that it's strategically important for that reason? You can have some kind of control over global food markets or do you think it's more the fact that he doesn't think that Ukraine should have ever been independent?
2: That's got nothing to do with it. It's about, uh, it's about world power. It's about controlling the food chain. Controlling Ukrainian Ukrainian industry as well, you know the the, the um, uh, Ukrainian metals and 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 energy. So you do. Is, is also a big resource. Mm-hmm.
0: So you do think that it's about the fact that Ukraine's a big, big food producer.
2: Yeah, yeah. And he can use that as a weapon to take his war further.
0: Some really sobering thoughts there from Peter.
3: Do you grow maize and want to maximise your crop performance this year? Well, help is at hand. Just download the LG Maize Manager app. It will help you find the best varieties for your farm that maximise energy yield to improve feed performance. The app features a brand new LG Animal Nutrition section, which highlights the potential savings that could be made by switching to a maize variety with superior nutritional qualities. These LGAM varieties provide a simple and cost-effective way for you to increase feed efficiency and reduce costs. Find out more by downloading Maze Manager for free today.
0: Now we turn to Sandy, who originally farmed just outside Edinburgh and has managed farms in Ukraine for a decade. He is now an agricultural consultant based in Odessa. I spoke to him at the end of February in order to reach him before any potential cut in communication lines.
1: It's actually quite quiet. It's actually quite quiet at the moment. Actually, Odessa has actually compared to most cities in Ukraine. Odessa has actually been spared most of the bombardments that have been other places. But we're expecting it because there's the Russians coming from the the Crimean Peninsula and the the Ukrainians have blown up some bridges between here and Kherson just try and stop the Russian advance but uh, I mean there's also Russian troops to the east of to the west of here in the small Russian enclave of uh, Transdnestra which is next to Moldova so we're in a bit of a pincer movement but it's quiet for the moment. We know we're in all of Ukraine is now in a a a night curfew from 7 o'clock in the evening till 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. We had an air raid alert about three hours ago, but uh, we didn't hear it, any explosions but it's a, so is it so compared to certainly kiev kharkiv and other places we're actually it's relatively quiet at the moment
0: so have the russians attempted to bomb the ports in odessa uh,
1: not yet i mean we know there's been a, there's been there's been a, some attacks on the infrastructure and ports on the Sea of Azov near the poor small port of Berjansk has been attacked. I mean, the trouble is there's so much confusion and disinformation. It's hard it's hard to know. But there's certainly been no as far as I'm aware, no direct attacks on the main port facilities in Odessa and Illichivsk, which is near here, which are the main. This one and Mykolaiv, about 50 kilometres away, are now the main export routes for uh, for Ukrainian grain. But of course, at the moment, there's okay, okay. The winter wheat's all in the ground, but we. I spoke to the an australian farmer who, who, who runs two farms just east of here and basically he's in the just now because he can't cross the border but he said basically everything's just shut down a lot of men have either been called up for the army or are volunteering for the army so yeah there's basically and this this normally would be the start of the spring sowing for sunflowers well not yet but it's in the next couple of weeks and uh, so no one, so i mean fertilizers are going to be either very expensive or impossible to get so yeah it's a a lot of confusion but there's obviously there's going to be the the yield prospects we I mean, might as plug a better connections knowing what the overall yield prospects are but they, they'll certainly be taking a hit the longer this goes on but of course the main thing is if ukraine loses access to the black sea then of course that's a big export problem that's not well not just a problem for ukraine but it's a severe problem for countries in north africa egypt and morocco etc that really depend on about 30 40 percent of their grain coming from the black sea area
0: how likely do you think that is
1: no absolutely nobody knows It's, I mean, there's, I mean there's, there's already been, obviously, I mean, there's, nobody knows how much infrastructure has been damaged in the way of roads or railways yet. The ports, i I set I out here the ports are, I mean, there's no, nothing moving. Because of course now the cost of insurance, in insuring any ships to go into the Black Sea would be prohibitive. So most mean Cargills, they own the big port here, they are the main holding in the big port in Odessa. But it's a question of they won't be able to get ships in because no no shipping company is going to come anywhere near Ukraine at the moment because the insurance will be, will be if you, if you can get it it will be prohibitive.
0: I went on to ask Sandy what was happening to farmland around him.
1: Yeah, I mean, fa- basically, farming, at, actual farming, at the moment will probably be at a standstill. Nothing will be happening. mean, normally just now, of course, with the last of the frost, people will be putting on uh, the putting on fertilizer onto the wheat and starting to prepare ground for sunflowers and corn. But I'd imagine that is completely stopped. <coughs> no one knows if you can even get fuel for spray operations. I mean, the, in the even in Odessa here, there's the fuel—I don't say it's run out, but it's—it's it's getting very, very scarce. So, I'd imagine that the chances of getting <clears throat> fuel deliveries to the farms are pretty small. There's been one confirmed hit on an oil refinery. <clears throat> just south of Kiev, so I'd imagine the whole distribution of fuel is going to be a problem going forward, so I'd imagine there's very little, apart from maybe some of the small scale farms, I I would, you know, this is the only, I I can imagine, but I imagine that most of the land work has actually come to a complete stop for the moment. Were
0: you surprised by the extent of the attack by Russia?
1: i i personally wasn't but a lot of my ukrainian friends were completely astounded i think they I mean, okay I mean, they, they they had heard about the hysteria being talked about in the, in the USA and the British in the European press about what was happening. But most people here were, were completely, I mean, life was it, until last Thursday. It was, people were sitting out in cafes, they were this life was going on. I'm maybe a little worried. But no, it, I think Especially the Ukrainians were completely gobsmacked and shocked by what Putin's done. But I mean, I certainly wasn't, because I mean, I think anybody who heard the speech he made about denazifying and everything else in Ukraine, I mean, <laughs> The man is obviously on a personal mission to destroy Ukraine. That's fairly obvious. (laughs) So, of course, the main fear now is that, although there has been some talks today, which probably won't go very far, is that either because the Russians were a lot of conscripts, ill-trained, the the advance obviously hasn't gone as fast and as far as the Russians hoped. It's whether they will actually step up with some other rather more nasty weapons or pouring more troops or what, what they'll do. No one really knows what the next steps will be. Because Putin can't afford to be to have any loss of face or so he'll be out on his ear as well. This could easily change the regime in moscow as well as it can change the regime in in kiev i mean that's just my opinion but it uh, there's a lot of domestic problems in russia of course people in russia are being fed a completely unrealistic News on the state-controlled media, but the, the word passes. And again, the internet severely curtailed in Russia. Facebook, Instagram are almost non-existent. But people know what people find out what's going on. They suddenly know today that there's massive queues at all, all the bank cash line machines in Russia because they know that they've heard that there's going to be a run on the banks. So yeah, I mean Putin has to. He must be well oh, there is a danger for Putin as well as for the people in Ukraine as well. People are also very; they are very pleased about the support. Okay, there's no troops on the ground, but the support that's coming in from Europe, from Britain. I was on the I was on the local tram the other day and we were talking to a passenger I, say, I, I said I was from Britain they all got up and said well done we love you <laughs> shake hands <laughs> in Britain, Britain you could imagine the queues the panic Tesco would be sold out of Luro within five minutes but here people are much more much more stoical I mean, nobody can believe what's happened but they're just saying okay we'll see what happens next
0: the rest of the world too is waiting to see what happens next Farmers, in particular, will be watching the commodity markets closely. So what's happening there now? Our head of business, Alex Black, is here to explain.
3: The conflict in Ukraine has had a major impact on commodity markets, and the knock-on effect will be felt throughout the agricultural supply chain, with industry experts warning the impact will be catastrophic and exacerbate world hunger. Oil prices have stormed higher since the start of the invasion and jumped to $139 a barrel, the highest level for almost 14 years. Queues have formed at petrol stations with prices soaring on the forecourts, and for red diesel, according to Boiler Juice, the price has increased to 111.84 pence per litre. This compares to 72.42 pence per litre at the start of 2022. Fertiliser is the other big concern for farmers with prices already high before the crisis began, and a threat to global crops from reduced yields as a result of a lower availability. For dairy, the conflict was likely to push global prices up even faster. While Russia does import some dairy, this was outweighed by exports from Ukraine and Belarus, according to analysis from Kite Consulting. With those exports cut off, the tight supply situation globally would become even tighter. And with costs so high, producers might not be keen to push for the extra litres to create extra supply. The impact on the red meat market was likely to be more indirect with rising costs more of an immediate concern than any change in global trade besides oil the wheat price probably demonstrates best the impact of the crisis on commodities i caught up with peter collier from crm agri commodities to tell me more about what's been happening since the invasion began
4: yeah i mean R- russia and ukraine have become um, hugely important over um, certainly over the last decade if not even longer and you know, they now account for a much larger proportion of um, grain exports um, than they did even a decade ago. And it certainly surpasses the importance even that we had in 2014 the annexation of Crimea. So we've had a huge response in markets. And if you look at the actual raw numbers, uh, wheat production in Russia, around about 75 million tonnes this year. forecast. so far for next season range between 82 to 84, so a really large crop there uh, with exports of wheat, around about 35 million tonnes, where in Ukraine, um, slightly smaller crop in terms of production, around about 33 million tonnes, but forecast um, to export um, anywhere between 24 million tonnes this season, although that's now somewhat been thrown in doubt, obviously. Um, Clearly there's some big concerns at the moment for next year now, um, given what's been going on.
3: And if we go back sort of to, to January time, I suppose, when this first started being focused on by, by the markets, I mean, can you give us a little bit, little bit of a, a whistle-stop tour of what's happened between now and, and January?
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh, a while ago in January, when all these concerns started to build and we saw troop movements, markets did react. We did see um, how expensive wheat was, certainly relative to corn, push higher and um, close to sort of a similar levels as we did during the annexation of M- Crimea in 2014. So we, we did see a fairly large reaction already. And then things started to cool down. Um, markets um, sort of Got over this fear, we saw wheat prices slip again, only to then be completely blindsided with the um, unexpected invasion of Ukraine. And since then, we've seen wheat prices just on sort a of continued upward trajectory.
3: And and where are we? We now give us the picture for for today. Where where are we
4: now with with the wheat prices? Sure, I mean, it's been somewhat all over the place in terms of wheat markets and pushing up hugely. And even today, um. UK feed wheat for May pushed up well above £300 a tonne. It really is unprecedented. Um, milling wheat today up €40 Euros at €410 Euros a tonne. It's been a um, phenomenal increase in market price in a really short, rapid time. And it's really taken many by surprise, especially um, in some degree um, speculative investors as well. Up until recently, there's been a sort of long-term, slightly bearish outlook towards wheat markets. So speculative investors were net short on markets, holding short positions. And they've certainly been um, taken by surprise of so this rapid movement and having to buy their way out of short positions, which is just adding towards this continued bullish and um, stagnantly expensive wheat market.
3: And I suppose historically, have, have we seen something like this before or is it unprecedented?
4: We've seen similar but nowhere near extreme events. And we can look back to Crimea in 2014, but that was um nowhere near on the same level. It was a much smaller area. Uh, the thing that is causing concern now is not just availability for the rest of this season, but obviously into next season as well. And it's not just wheat, it's um, from a corn point of view as well. Corn plantings and development of that Ukrainian corn crop should be happening in, in the near future. Um. But amidst war is we're even going to be planting, is there going to be seed supplies? Is there going to be field work going on? And all of this is adding to large amounts of uncertainty for next season, but in all likelihood a very small and diminished Ukrainian exportable um, grain supply.
3: And if we look at other crops, I mean one of the big focuses for, for, for most of the, you know, population has been on the oil price and obviously the price of petrol pumps. I mean if we look at oil seeds, how how does that sort of crude oil price filter, filter down to our uh, oilseed rape?
4: Yeah, yeah it has a big impact. Um, crude is part of our overall um, vegetable oil complex. We can't have vegetable oils pricing below that of diesel, otherwise they'll just be used as fuel. So vegetable oils are price at a slight premium, and certainly this year with a uh, um, reduced rapeseed supply, we've seen a large premium of rapeseed oil above that of our, other vegetable oils. I think it's going to be slightly different next season is that we're also going to have a somewhat shortage of sunflower as well. It's sort of a often less a less talked about crop coming out of Ukraine as, well as the sunflower crop, be it from an oil perspective or indeed meal, both of which are very important. So looking into next season, it's not just the impact on rapeseed, but the impact on sunflower, which is creating a lot of concern, certainly for the oilseed market for next season.
3: And... I know, obviously, you've not got a crystal ball there and, and your guess as to Vladimir Putin's next move is probably as good as, good as mine. But, I mean, with, with where this is going, I mean, can, can prices go even higher yet?
4: I certainly don't want to be in Putin's mind. Um, prices can always go higher. You know, there, there's no crystal ball to that. Prices will continue to climb while there's still demand there. and Currently, there is still demand... Prices are pushing higher. There's no sign to an end of conflict. And with that, prices can continue to um, push higher. At the moment, looking forwards, there's a couple limiting factors on on markets. At the moment, we are still expecting a very large um, Brazilian second corn crop, for instance. And on the whole, conditions for wheat in the Northern Hemisphere are looking relatively okay. The big question, of course, that's going on is what are yields in europe going to do from a wheat point of view if we go and lose a certain quantity of ukrainian wheat that's going to put additional pressure on european supplies at the same time as so there could well be a shortage of fertilizer and application and therefore a cut to yield so so that's a big uncertainty at the moment things are looking manageable and if you were to sum up um, northern hemisphere wheat outlooks at the moment for upcoming harvest, it would negate a lot of the loss of Ukraine. But if we do go and have a dry spring, for instance, then we're in a totally different situation. And of course, prices could easily continue to push much higher.
0: That's all we have time for this week. Thank you to our listeners. We really hope you found this show interesting, even though it's been a difficult subject for us to tackle. If you did, I'd like to ask a favour. You can help us attract new listeners by giving us a five star rating and review. And in the meantime, you can also subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. Until next week, from us at FG, thank you for
3: listening.